and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this. I think it's the most awesome book, but then that's my favorite book. Amen. Genesis chapter twenty-one, and we're gonna read from verse eight to fourteen. Y'all got it? Want to remind you before I forget this coming Sunday, do not miss. In fact, you need to really bring somebody because Sunday uh, evangelistic meals, we have him every year. And he is an evangelist, but he's also a prophet and he brings a word of encouragement. You will not leave here discouraged, you will leave here holding on to a promise, you will leave here knowing that God has a plan for your life. You will leave here knowing that there is a word specifically for you, and I would encourage you to bring someone, bring a friend, bring a relative, bring an enemy. That means you're really growing if you can do that. Uh, but bring someone here on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. This is the place to be with Evangelistic Mills, and then we have a unity service this Sunday night and in the city of Richmond. Okay? Genesis chapter one and uh, 21, and we're going to read from verse 8, and I have uh, the Living Translation, so it's a little different. And it reads like this. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. Didn't that sound just like a woman? <laughs> this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would open hearts, that we would be ready to hear what you need to talk to us about tonight. There's so many things in this passage of scripture, and I pray that you would allow me to bring it out in the way that you gave it to me, that we would be able to walk away from here being transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, we all set. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you have your seat. There was an article that was written by George Wood, and he wrote it on October 31st, 1983. This is a true story of a Korean airline flight number 007. It's a true story. Flight number 007 departed from Anchorage, Alaska for a direct flight to Seoul, Korea. Unknown to the crew, though, the computer that was on the flight navigation system was one degree off. So at the point of departure, the mistake was not noticed. You can't notice one degree when you're taking off. 
But as the giant 747 continued on through the Aleutian Islands and out over the Pacific, the plane continued to go off its course. Eventually, that plane wound up flying over the Soviet Union. This was back in 1983. The Soviet radar picked up the plane and fighter jets got into the air to intercept and over the mainland Russia, the jets shot flight 007 out of the sky and everyone on board lost their life. One degree. Do you know that one degree off can make all the difference between disaster and a discovery for your life? One degree is the difference between boiling water and hot water. One degree. 211 degrees is hot water. 212 is boiling water. One degree makes all the difference in the world. And Abraham knew that lesson very well. He strayed from God's plan for his life by one degree. He messed up by one degree, and we have been paying for it ever since. See, Abraham's life was just like that plane, just like the boiling hot water, one degree off, and he was in danger of going completely off course. He had made some bad decisions in his past, and now he was at the crossroads of having to make another decision. His mistake in the past was ignoring God's plan and listening to his wife Sarah's plan. Her plan sounded so much better. Go sleep with my servant. Oh, okay, that sounds good to me. It sounded so much better than God's plan. God's plan was just wait. Don't do nothing, just wait. Abraham liked Sarah's plan better. But since Ishmael had been born, all he had was fighting between the two women, between his wife and Hagar. Sarah was wrong for suggesting that he have a child by Hagar, but now that she had her own son, the son of promise, she wanted Hagar out. She wanted her thrown out of the camp. She didn't even want to see her anymore. And it might seem a little cruel when you think about it that Sarah wanted to throw Hagar out. I mean, that's kind of cruel for a woman to say, you know what, I don't want to see her. I don't even want to look at her. I don't even want her son here. Out. But what might have seemed to be harsh could really have been a life-saving act. We don't know what was going on in that house except for the friction that was going on between the two women and the friction that was going on between the two boys. You got to remember, Ishmael was like 17 years old. Isaac was only three years old. The Bible says that Ishmael was picking on Isaac. You ever seen a 17-year-old pick on a three-year-old? Pretty sad, huh? Some of you are going, yeah, I remember. But Sarah, she saw something. She saw how attached Abraham had become to Hagar and Ishmael. And Abraham didn't understand, he couldn't understand that asking Hagar to leave 
was all part of God's plan. It was only after that he could look back and say, oh, you know what? That was the best thing. That was the right thing. How many of us have ever done something, thought it was totally wrong, and then look back and go, oh, yeah, that, I'm glad. I'm so glad. I think about now, after my husband died, I wanted to sell both houses that, we, that he had left me and, and just go buy one house and the house that I wanted to buy. Oh, my gosh. I would be so badly in debt right now. And I was like, but God, I want this house. This is the house. And it didn't go through, and I couldn't understand. Boy, I look back now, and I thank God I didn't get that house because I would be horribly, horribly in debt. Uh, Abraham did not know why he had to kiss Hagar goodbye. And sometimes the reasons that we have to do things aren't evident right away. But later on, they become like, you know, those V8s, like, duh, what was wrong with me? I should have had a V8. I should have listened to God. I should have listened to my leaders. I should have listened to what they were saying. You want to knock yourself on the head. What was wrong with me? Well, I want to share with you some of the reasons that Abraham had to let go of Hagar. Why he had to let go. Kiss her goodbye and say, see you later. The first one, first reason was that their relationship was one degree off. See, God had a plan for Abraham. And just like the, pl the plane that had deviated from the direction it was going, so did Abraham. God has a plan for your life. Every single one of you, God has a plan for your life. But only if you follow his compass, only if you follow his direction. See, Abraham was led off the path by a suggestion of his wife. How many of you have ever been led off of the path by just a suggestion? Let's not go there. Come on, let's go over here. Come on, you don't need to go over to church tonight. It's Wednesday. Come on, let's go here. Sunday, man, you already went there. You've, you've, you've done your whole quota for your life. That's what my friends used to tell me because in going to Catholic school, I was in church all the time. And my friends who weren't going to Catholic school, they would say, man, you've done so much church. You're full for the rest of your life. You never have to go again. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That sounds about right. Just a suggestion could have really gotten me off course. An author whose name was Larson said this, choose your direction well, because although your poor choices may hurt you only in a minor way for a while, the longer you go, the more harm you bring to yourself. See, that's exactly what happened to Abraham. Hagar was not a bad person. It was not her fault. She was just the detour from the plan that God had for Abraham. When he had this young man from Hagar, I'm sure that Abraham was proud. Every man is proud when he has a son. I don't know what it is, but it's just like your namesake just gets continued and you just you feel proud and Abraham had fallen into unbelief 
But look at what happened in his unbelief. He had a son, what he had wanted all his life. Even though he got off of God's plan, look at what he got. He got his dream. He got what he wanted. What he always wanted was a son, and God gave it to him when he got off the plan. Wow. Maybe it's worth it to get out of God's plan. Maybe, just maybe, I could still get what I want. Abraham did. He got a promise. Wrong. He didn't get it. Sometimes the emotional bonds that we have to people or things are not wrong. They're just not good for us. They don't bring out the best in us. 2 Corinthians 10.23 says, I am not I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for me. You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial, which means that you can do anything you want. My husband used to say, you know what, I could go out there and I could drink a beer and I could fix and I could do all that. And you could, you could do any of that. You could have chosen not to be here tonight. You could have chosen to be anywhere else. That is your choice. Because you're not bound by anything. You could do whatever you want. But what are your choices going to bring you? Where are your choices going to lead you? Everything is allowed. But is it good for you? I've shared before that a mature person is someone who is able to delay gratification. See, babies and children aren't able to delay gratification. They want what they want, and they want it now. I just spend two days with my grandchildren, and my grandson is like, what he wants, he wants it now. He don't care who's around. He don't care what anybody says. He wants what he wants, and he wants it now. And in the same way that delayed gratification shows maturity, making right decisions between things and people that are right or wrong also shows maturity. See, there's people who don't like accountability. They just don't like it. They don't want to answer for their life. They don't want to let anyone know where they're going, who they're seeing, who they're talking to at 1 o'clock in the morning. They just don't want any, you know what, this is my business. I don't need to let anybody know what I'm doing. I don't need to let anybody know where I'm staying. I'm going to let you know something. It's not a sin not to be accountable. It's not a sin. You're like, great. It is not a sin. There is no commandment that I have ever read that says you have to be accountable. But the question is, why don't you want to be accountable? What are you hiding? Will the thing or the person that you are with lead you off the track? Or will it make you stronger in the Lord? See, Hagar represented Abraham's plan to fulfill God's promise. That was Abraham's plan. She's going to fulfill the promise for me. I'm going to have a son by her and everything's going to be good. I'll just claim Romans 8.28, God works everything out for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. I mean, I may just do this, but you know what? God will just wipe it all clean. It'll be good. 
You want to know how many Christians do that? They deviate from God's plan, and then they throw a scripture, and they try to whitewash it and make it clean and make it right. Sometimes we think we have the answer to God's promise, and we try to make it fit. We just try to say, this is how it's supposed to be. We begin holding on to that answer instead of holding on to God. We think we have God's plan all figured out. He might have promised you that one day you were going to be a pastor. You're going to be a pastor's wife, an evangelist, an evangelist's wife. You're going to be a ministry overseer. You're going to be a leader. You're going to be big. And surely God would not want you to do that alone. I mean, of course not. Why would God want me to do this alone? God knows. God knows me. He knows I need somebody. So then you go ahead and you pick someone that you think will help get you there. And then you find out that that was not the person that God had planned for your life. Because all you had to do was wait. Wait for him to bring you someone. Oswald Chambers said this, and I, I want you to listen to this because I had to read this in order for it to really sink into me. It says, all of God's revelations are sealed until they are opened to us by obedience. The tiniest fragment of obedience and all the heavens open and the truths of God are yours right away. Listen, God will never reveal more about himself until you have obeyed what you already know. He will not reveal more of himself until you have obeyed what you already know. What do you know already that you're not obeying? You're complaining God is so far away, but what are you doing? Where are you at? He can't reveal more of himself until you go back to that place of waiting. Go back to that place of obedience. Go back to that place of repentance. Then the revelation of God will come. The second reason why Abraham had to kiss Hagar goodbye was because the results were one degree off. First it was a relationship that was one degree off. Now it's the results that were one degree off. Believe it or not, the flesh is capable of producing something that will satisfy you. And it will even appear to be the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. I mean, it just looks like this is the right person. This is the right house. This is the right car. This is the right job. This is, this is right. I know it's right. The flesh is capable of convincing us this is right. See, Abraham was totally satisfied with his son. He's like, I got a son. That's all that he wanted. He wanted a son. But God's purpose and God's plan was not a son. He wanted a savior. So far away from where Abraham was thinking. Because now Ishmael was in the camp. This was not God's plan. Everything was all out of whack. There is a preaching that T.D. Jakes was doing on this 
decision that Abraham made. And he said this about Abraham's decision. He said, those are the kind of decisions we make when we think God's not going to bless us. When we start making arrangements for God because he didn't do what you thought he was going to do when you thought he was going to do it. You start making arrangements. You start making your plans. And you start saying, this, you know what? He said he was going to do this. Well, it hasn't happened. I can make it happen. And then we'll just, all things work together for good. When God doesn't move fast enough for you, what do you do? Start figuring out what to do. Start manipulating. Start changing circumstances. Where do you go? Who do you go to? What do you buy? Who are you with? Ishmael was a constant reminder to Abraham of his failure to wait on God. And this was also a symbol of a man trying to make God's promise come to pass. Every time he saw Ishmael, that was his mistake. Every time he saw Ishmael, it reminded him he couldn't wait. He just couldn't wait. Could God have used Ishmael to let the plan come through him? Could God have just said, you know what, forget about Isaac. You know what, Ishmael's already here. Let, this, let, let it just happen. Could it have happened through Ishmael? No. It could not have happened through Ishmael. Because Ishmael was not a son that came from faith. Ishmael was not a son that was from a trusting God. Ishmael was not a son from waiting on God's promises. Ishmael was a son of the flesh. Ishmael was a son that said, I'm going to do it my way. So his plan could not come through Ishmael. It had to come through Isaac. Ishmael was the son of wanting it their way. A son that was a reminder that they were going to work God's plan out the way they wanted it. Romans 14, 23 says that whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. We can't change God's plan for our life and expect the same blessings that a life of obedience and waiting will produce. Sometimes when you want to jump ahead, of God's plan, and you want to hurry it up. You can't expect the blessings of God on your life. I don't understand how some people try to jump ahead. They can't wait, and then they say, wonder why God's not blessing me. Hello? You couldn't wait. You don't try to get a whole, get ahead of God's plan. You follow it the way that he has planned it. When Sarah told Hagar to leave, she was a boss talking to an employee. She wasn't emotionally attached to her. So it was easier for her to say, you know what, leave, get out. Especially <clears throat> when she saw Ishmael taunting her son. I mean, Sarah's 100 years old. You think she's going to stick around and let some 17-year-old taunt her 3-year-old? I don't think so. She waited too long for that kid. She's not going to let some 17-year-old little teenager come around and start teasing him. 
She got overprotective. She's like, this is my kid. I waited a long time for this kid. I'm 103 years old now. Forget it. <laughs> Stuart Briscoe said this. He said, Ishmael was Abraham's son, but he wasn't Sarah's son. And even though she had made the arrangement by which he was born, there would never beat in Sarah's heart the same love that throbbed in Abraham's veins. Sarah didn't feel for Ishmael like Abraham. It wasn't her kid. She had her kid in her arms. So when she said leave, it may have seemed cruel. It may have seemed wrong. But now we're getting to the end of the story. The third reason why Abraham had to kiss Hagar goodbye was because the route that he was on was one degree off. Not only his relationship was one degree off, not only was the results, but the route that he was on was one degree off. I can probably be assured that when Abraham had to send Hagar and Ishmael away, <coughs> there was a lot of grief in his life, a lot of anguish in his life. This was his son. This was his son that he had been with for 17 years. I can't even imagine having to send your own son away. Abraham had taught Ishmael how to fish, how to hunt, how to take care of sheep, how to pitch a tent. When he looked at Ishmael, he looked at himself. Ishmael didn't fulfill God's purpose, but he was a fulfillment of Abraham's desire. It wasn't what God wanted, but it was what Abraham wanted. How do you send what, was, what has satisfied your heart for 17 years? Just how do you send him away? How do you just say, you got to go? It must have been difficult for him. I mean, I, I know what grief is, and I, I just I can imagine how he would have felt sending him away, how he would have just dropped to his knees and just cried broke his heart to send his son away. He had a lot of grief. His spirit was probably crushed. But now he was losing his oldest son. And Abraham is just like us. He would love for God to have blessed his mistake. Can't you just, God, overlook this one? Can't you just let my two sons grow up together? Why can't they know each other? Why can't they have fun together? They'll get over this. He won't make fun of him forever. I'm sure that there was something inside of him that said, just overlook my mistake. Like there's so many drug addicts who come to the Lord and they say, Lord, overlook my mistake of heroin use. Overlook my mistake of alcoholism. Overlook my mistake of infidelity. Overlook my mistake of all the things that I've done. We all want to claim Romans 8.28. Make it right. It all comes back. My husband would still be here if it wasn't for his past. There's still a price to pay. You can't just whitewash it and just say, oh, well, it's, it's the past. It's never going to go. I mean, it's, I don't ever have to see it or think about it again. We pay. Abraham wanted to look at his mistake. 
and be happy. He wanted to look at the bright side. Look at how much fun my son is having. Look at how he's growing up. He's so strong. He wanted to pretend that everything was okay. Everything turned out all right. Look at what we're doing. Everything's good. Let me just throw this in for those of you who want to get married. Let just for free. One of the biggest mistakes that singles make when they decide to marry someone is that they think that they're going to get all of their needs met by that person that they marry. I want to tell you right now, it's not going to happen. It's <laughs> Go ahead and clap. Let the singles know. It's true. It's not going to happen. If you think that that person that you have fallen madly in love with is going to fill that hole in your heart, they are going to just make your life complete, that you will never, ever, ever feel lonely again. You will never, ever feel like you're all by yourself. Then you are looking to have your needs met by a person and you are going to be sadly, sadly woken up one day when you realize, who is this person? <laughs> who is this person? I say that because so many people have married for the wrong reasons. And I know people, I know marriages who have a lifetime frustration only because they wanted to have their life needs met by a person so those of you who are single listen to me do not marry for what you can get you marry for what you can give if you're going to get married for what you can get you got it on your marriage and then on your marriage day and then that's it it's all over the next 40, 50 years is all about giving. It's all about giving. If you're going to marry to get, you're marrying for the wrong reasons. Now, let me get back. Okay. <laughs> Abraham was finding fulfillment in Ishmael. He was. He was a dad. He was finding fulfillment in his son. But God knew that he needed to deal with the past in order for him to go forward. He couldn't just look at how great everything turned out for him. He couldn't just look at, now I have two sons. Man, this is wonderful. This is great. I was promised one, but now I have two. No, he needed to repent and go back and see where he started to go wrong. If we don't deal with our mistakes, after a while, let me, let me tell you this. If we don't deal with our mistakes, and we all make them, but if we do not deal with them, our mistakes will laugh at our blessings. Just like Ishmael was laughing at Isaac. The exact same way. Abraham had made some bad decisions. He let God's perfect will go to seek his own. And he had to let go. He had made a mistake yesterday, 
And now, today, he needed to repent to be free to be what God wanted him to be. And sometimes, you know, you're going to look around and you're going to see other people. And you're going to say, well, how come they don't have to do that? And how come she doesn't have to do that? How come he doesn't have to do that? Because God has a different requirement for everybody. I don't walk the same line that you walk. You don't walk the same line that I walk. We all walk differently. I had to make decisions when I was a young teenager, 17 years old. Not all the 17 and 18-year-olds when, uh, when I came to church were saved. They were, you know, hey, let's go out, go party over here, and let's do this, and let's do that. And they were in church. And they were the ones that had been there before me. They were the ones that I was supposed to look up to. They were the ones that were in the choir longer than me. They were the ones that were leading. They, they were all of that. And yet, when it came down to making decisions, should I follow them or should I do what I'm supposed to do? I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't go with them. Did they laugh at me? Did they talk about me? Oh, yeah. But I'm going to let you know where they're at now. They're not here. They're not here because there are certain decisions that you and I have to make that God puts upon each individual for the plan that God has for your life. You have to live according to the plan that you have. I don't care what somebody else is doing. I don't care how they live. I don't care what music they listen to. I don't care how they dress. I don't care how they talk. I don't care about anything. What is God asking for your life? There's an illustration that I read. It was about a small village that needed some food. So two men from the village were elected to go to the nearby town for much of the supplies. So the men boarded the canoe and they paddled across the lake that separated them from the city where they were to purchase the food. They spent the whole day buying all the food and loading the boat. Among all of the supplies that they bought, were four bottles of wine. The sun was going down, and they started to make plans to go row back across the lake. But then they began to feel like, you know what? We spent the whole day working for the village. We owe ourselves. So what did they do? They started uncorking the wine. First, they downed one. They're sitting there just having a good old time. And then they downed another one. And then as they were drinking this wine, the fog began to settle. Like, oh, man, we got to get out of here. The fog is coming. So then they began to pick up the oars and they began to row home. And they rowed all night except for the times that they stopped to take a drink from the other two bottles of wine. So when the morning came and the fog was gone, the men realized that they had been rowing all night long and they made no progress. Why? Because they were still tied to the dock. <laughs> they had never taken the rope off the dock. As funny as that is, 
There's some of you that are not making any progress in your life because you're still tied to the dock. You're still tied there. Emotionally, mentally, there's a grip on your life, on your past failures, even on your past successes, on those relationships, on unforgiveness, rejection, everything that is keeping you from untying yourself to move forward. And some of you may feel like, you know what, I got it together. I read some books. I bought some new oars. I got me a powerboat. I'm ready. But you're not going to make any progress until you untie the rope from the dock. Isaac means laughter. That's what his name means, laughter. And Abraham could not embrace the joy of that laughter. He couldn't embrace the promise that God had for him until he turned loose of the substitute. He couldn't grab on to the plan that God had for him until he let go of the Hagar, until he let go of the Ishmael in his life. It might be possible that in this room, you're holding on to a Hagar. When God is saying, you know what, you got to kiss her goodbye. Kiss that job, kiss that guy, kiss that girl, kiss that money, kiss that house, kiss that car, goodbye. Because it's holding you back. It's keeping you from going forward. See, God has a plan for your life, and you've made some mistakes. But you got to kiss that Hagar goodbye. It was a mistake that you made yesterday. And for some of you, it's still haunting you. You've been hearing the fruit of your mistake, laughing at you, taunting you, dragging you down, not letting you go forward. You're frustrated, and you need a touch from God. You need to be reminded today that God can still use you. God, can, God has not taken back those gifts. They're still there in your life for him to use. Nothing you do is going to ever turn out right until you learn to give up your Hagar. Let it go. Stand with me tonight. And I'm just going to be very open and very blunt and let you know that this altar call tonight is for you to be able to kiss your Hagar's goodbye. Just let it go. Whatever you've been holding on to, whatever has been keeping you back, whatever has caused you to try to whitewash Romans 8.28 over everything, this is it. This is the altar call. You're just going to come and say, you know what? I I'm going to let it go. Right now, I, I have to kiss my Hagar goodbye. Just like Abraham had to do. He had to let it go. Until, until he did, he couldn't go forward. And God knew that. And that's what he's requiring of us today. And as we begin to sing, the altar call is for you. It's time for you to come. Not my will, but your will be done.